1: your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network, your team every day.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. And we're joined by former host, Joe Goodberry, here to talk about this year's Cincinnati Bengals edition. Joe, you've been, well, extremely optimistic. You've been making a bit of a uh, a podcast rotation. You've been making your rounds in the last week as the regular season is here. And this morning, Sunday morning on Twitter, you outlined why you think there's no reason the Bengals can't win 10, 11 games, why this offense can't go do what James thinks they're going to do and score 30 points a game. I find your optimism intriguing, refreshing, perhaps. It's the most optimistic I've seen you since I've known you, is what I tweeted this morning when I teased your podcast appearance. What's behind your optimism, Joe?
2: I appreciate that you recognize that, though, because I'm not known as an optimist You know, very often at all. I will be, in my own words, I think I'm more of a realist. Uh, but I think the realistic expectations and what we should project for this team is a successful season is a, hopefully a playoff berth, uh, and a, a good offense. And I, for me, it, it comes down to um, mostly Joe Burrow and my expectations and where I think his development should be in year two, uh, the pieces they've added around him, the draft picks and premium picks that Zach Taylor has been able to spend on this offensive side of the ball. And they are healthy on the offensive side. And, you know, We haven't been able to say that how often in the last few years. Uh, Yeah, I think overall nationally and even us, uh, we don't know exactly what Zach Taylor is still going into year three, but that doesn't mean he's bad. I know the record, but they've also started Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley, and Brandon Allen for three quarters of that record. And I don't know how many good coaches would have even close to a 500 record with that. So having said all of that, you guys know how I felt about Joe Burrow coming into that draft class after they drafted him. I thought a lot of what he did last year proved that he will be that guy. I think some of the question is how long will it take for him to be that top 10, maybe even top five quarterback eventually? Uh, and you look at timelines around the league and in history, it happens very often in year two of that quarterback starting.
0: All right. So let me not. I don't want to put water on the optimism, but let's push back because I think there are some fans watching or listening, hopefully both, um, because they subscribe on YouTube and follow wherever you get your podcast. But they're probably like, all right, this offensive line, how good is it really? How improved is it really? All they did, honestly, was go get Riley Reef. Outside of that, it's a lot of the same faces. Jackson Carmen clearly not ready. is not going to start this week. Plus, Jamar Chase can't catch cold. Uh, your your thoughts on probably the, the negative or the people that would push back when you say 30 points, Joe Burrow takes a step forward and maybe overcomes Zach Taylor and still scores a bunch of points if Zach isn't a, a good
2: coach. And We see good quarterbacks overcome mediocre or even poor coaches all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that he is so good this year that he outweighs any – weirdness that you get from taylor and his staff and uh if the offensive line jake and i talked about this before we started recording i find it very hard to believe it could be a worse offensive line than last year i i don't i mean guys would have to be injured they'd have to be coached poorly a lot of things would have to take place in order to end up in a situation like they were last year i think they've already solidified the floor raised the floor if you will just by bringing in a new coach. So now you just get veteran guards, which I don't feel like they had for most of last year. Even when Quentin Spain came in, he was playing much worse than I've seen him ever in Buffalo and in Tennessee and at West Virginia, to be honest with you. If you want to go back that far, I thought Quentin Spain had his worst year last year with the Bengals. I think he can rebound. And I think what he's shown in preseason shows that he may be able to get back to at least being an average guard in this league. And I think how good does the offensive line have to be is more of the question. Do they have to be a top 10 unit? that'd be great, but I don't think they have to be. Not with a guy like Joe Burrow. Not if you have a cerebral quarterback that is going to get the ball out, that is able to survey the defense and pick his spots and and be able to distribute very quickly. Now, Burrow does invite some pressure on his own. He does try to extend plays. He does try to manipulate the pocket and buy big plays down the field using that. So like he did last year, he's going to invite some of that. But I do think as long as there are Decent. They don't have to be good. I think Jonah Williams is a good player. I think Riley Lee's fine. I think if Daniel Jeremiah's tweet, he does this every single year. He goes, Does your team, if they're a contender, do they have a quarterback, uh, an impact quarterback? Do they have three offensive weapons that are impact players? Do they have three quality offensive linemen? He doesn't say you need three good offensive linemen. He says you need three quality. I'm like, they could have that. Jonah Williams, Riley Reef, and Trey Hopkins could be quality now, depending on your definition, but I think that could be quality. Uh, I think the guards are the question. Yeah, Xavier Suofilo gives you about 300 snaps a year the last few years in his career, but that's if that's the plan, fine. He plays for six games, and then Jackson Carmen is your right guard. They get more athletic. They maybe get a little bit more nasty. You might be able to get a, a, a boost there at right guard from what they had the last few years. So, yes, there are questions. I'm not worried about Jamar Chase at all. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to work through it. Again, I come back to my evaluations while they were in college. I've always, that's how I've always gone back to this. Uh, Even when Sam Hubbard has a great rookie year, I go back to my evaluations of Ohio State and I said, you know, he's probably Michael Johnson. And that's who he's been. I always go back to what I thought then because I think it still holds true. I think Jamar Chase is going to be an impact number one. I think Joe Burrow is going to be a top five ish to 10 quarterback.
1: The interesting thing that you mentioned there that I want to expand on is a quarterback set. overcome coaching in year two and the most direct comparison, I think we talked about before we started recording Joe is Deshaun Watson, who the the Texans have been a mess really since he's been there. They, they've won games with him for sure. He came off the, the injury just like Burrow did and had a fantastic second year. Are there other examples of, of similar situations? What traits, I guess, are are you looking for in the guys that have overcome those questionable coaches or coaches that don't necessarily put the team in the best situation, not saying that Zach Taylor is or isn't doing that, but if that's what it's going to take, does Joe Burrow have those traits?
2: You know, I'm, I'm not sure it's a specific skill set because right. When I think of Watson and I, I, I always thought like, well, Bill O'Brien, they're not going to get the most out of him, but then they changed their offense to do that. And they did, you know, uh, so I don't think it's always that. But you, you can go back and look at the last six, seven years of quarterbacks drafted. Year two, that team is competing despite terrible rosters. I mean, uh, I went back and even looked at Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Both those teams go nine and seven. The coaches were fired within a year after that because they didn't take that third step. Right? So, I mean, it, it was Mike Munchak and uh, was it Gary Kubiak? I'm forgetting now. It doesn't matter. The point is they were bad coaches that were fired quickly after. You, you overcome it by being a good quarterback i think there are many ways to do it in this league right now i do have some concerns that maybe some of the athleticism with burrow maybe not be there maybe that the trust maybe they don't want him to do it right maybe they don't want him to carry this team that first month of the season maybe that's where we see joe mixon lead this offense for a while and you know I, i i'm okay with seeing that too um i guess my point is peyton manning didn't have those physical traits but was jim caldwell a good coach you know i it happens these guys Overcome their coaches a lot.
1: We'll talk some more about what Joe Burrow and this offense need to do to meet these lofty expectations on their path to the James Rapine 30 points per game benchmark. We'll get into that coming up next.
0: 3 And you're right. We'll get into that. But football season is back. And let's make the most of it with a better way to create your custom pool at runyourpool.com. The premier sports pool hosting service they offer dozens of formats including survivor pick'em squares margin confidence pools 33 and more and they're going to take all the stress away from running a pool run your pool host formats for nfl and college football with one week games full season playoffs or the super bowl and unlike fantasy sports platforms run your pool has options and settings again where you can make it your own and avoid all the stress that comes with running your pool. Check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use promo code locked on at checkout anywhere, everywhere in the world. Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. That means my guy Jake Lisco in Canada can compete with Joe Goodberry in Buffalo or me and the rest of you Bengals fans in Cincinnati. The NFL season starts this week. So start today, runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes. Again, runyourpool.com slash locked on
1: for all you competitors bet online is still your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season we're well into the college football season at this point and hey if those bengals start taking off in week one well maybe those odds are going to start getting a little bit longer and a little bit tougher for things like joe burrow comeback player of the year joe mixon comeback player of the year We'll get all the updated odds, props and contests including online's biggest half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the largest 200,000 dollar NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. There's also a 100% welcome bonus for you right now when you use promo code locked on when you sign up and an opening day super promo. The Dallas Cowboys dealing with some COVID issues on their offensive line, well Even if you lose your bet on the Dallas Cowboys Tampa Bay Buccaneers season opener, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using promo code NFL 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Go check them out at bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, James, your big thing that I've pushed back on at times has been 30 points per game. And... This team, Joe, we talked about it before you came on. That that's a big leap from where they were last year, but you guys are both pretty confident in that idea.
0: Well, that they that they they're capable of that. And obviously Joe mentioned Joe Burrow becoming a top ten quarterback. Well, if that happens and Jamar Chase is a number one, well, you might have two number ones in T right? We know what Joe Mixon can be if the offensive line is just slightly improved. And certainly he believes it will be with Frank Pollock. I mean, Joe Mixon, that is. So, I mean, the, the talent's there. We know what Tyler Boyd is. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I see the potential. And Joe, let me ask you, what do you think, outside of injury, which we can't take into account, but what derails that? Because if it's not Jamar Chase drops, if it's not offensive line play, which... You're right. I, I agree with you. I think they should be better. I think Joe Burrow is going to take a leap, and I think that's fair. So what could derail this 30-point dream where if they do average 30 a week, we're talking about a team that could be in playoff contention?
2: Two things. Either number one, Burrow isn't good, right? And all of a sudden, we're like, man, he's not the guy. Right. I don't I don't think any three of us, or 90% of Bengals fans probably don't project that at all. Or the number two is that Zach Taylor is completely inept, and the offensive system just does not work. And even handing the reins as much as they have to Joe Burrow, it still doesn't work. I don't see that either. I, I think at the very least, it's parts of last year which worked at times. They're averaging 23 points per game with Joe Burrow. Uh, there was four games where they had 30 plus and, and Joe Burrow's uh, nine games he completed. They can do this. And in fact, they should be better on offense. They'll have Joe Mixon all year. The offensive line should be better. There's no reason why Joe Burrow isn't better other than maybe injuries slow him down to start, but we don't even know that only, you know, like the only thing that even gives me some trepidation there is that we didn't get to see him for a full two or three drives in preseason. Had we had seen that, you know, the Carson Palmer, uh, Green Bay Packers game, we'd be like, Oh fuck all systems go. Let's do this. And instead we never got that. So there's, there's a slight bit of, well, maybe he's not completely ready. Right. Uh, But that's just us being, Bengals fans in the history we have of, be, of, of that little bit of worry. So other than that, the receivers should be better. T. Higgins, go back to pre-draft evaluations. I thought he should be a good number two possession, you know, 50-50 guy. Now I'm kind of thinking he might be a little bit better than that. He might be their deep threat early on. He may be the big play guy. He may be the red zone guy early on until Chase, you know, gets in a more expanded role. And if that's the case, that provides what you were missing a lot of times last year in the red zone and deep plays. Uh, the upgrade from franchise great AJ Green cannot be understated. And with one of these receivers stepping into that role and playing to the capabilities we believe they can, I don't see what, how the offense isn't at least going from 23 points a game, if that's the case, to 28 points a game, 29, 30, flirting with it. I mean, the Chiefs going from Alex Smith to Mahomes, and that first year starting, they jump up right. 8.6 points, I believe it was. Lamar Jackson, his first year starting, they jump up about nine points. The Bills last year, all of a sudden, Josh Allen's good. No one projected that. Uh, they get a receiver. They get a couple offensive linemen, and you know they've really stacked the offense. They jump up 10.3 points, I think it was, per game. All of a sudden, they're scoring 30 points a game. All of a sudden, you go back and look at these preseason analysis or predict- predictions for those teams. I just did this. I went and looked back. No one was projecting that for the Chiefs. No one was projecting that for the Ravens. No one was projecting that for the Bills. And yet they all did it. It happens every single year.
1: And just to play devil's advocate, at least two of those quarterbacks, I don't know how much things changed in Buffalo, but there were significant offensive system changes when Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes took over their respective offenses and to play devil's advocate, to me playing devil's advocate, there's probably, and maybe we haven't talked about this enough and understated change to the Bengals system coming this year with Frank Pollock's return, the emphasis on the wide zone, the emphasis on being under center play action with back to line of scrimmage instead of shotgun play action moving from, you know, the league leader in inside zone looks at a shotgun to a much heavier outside zone emphasis in your running game. So there is some significant systematic changes coming to the Bengals as well. I'll be very interested to see how much Play action. They add in the preseason. We've seen a ton of jet motion, which is a staple of a lot of these wide zone offenses. For the most part, what we've seen in the preseason is the motion going away from the direction of the running play. For the most part, we've seen the motion coming on running plays, not on play action looks, but there will be play action looks built into that. There will be jet sweeps built into that and there will be some same direction. You've seen this start to emerge in some of these wide zone systems as well. So there will be some changes coming to the offensive side of the ball. And on that note, Joe, maybe that's the next question is, what are the things you're hoping to see change the most in this offense with Joe Burrow now back from injury with Frank Pollack now coaching the offensive line? Is, Is it what I'm talking about? or Are there more things that you're looking for?
2: You know, what gets glossed over a little bit too much is the addition by subtraction. And I do believe Giovanni Bernard was still a key player for this team and definitely in pass protection. But when you look at, the amount of big plays per touch in terms of handing the ball to a running back versus throwing to a running back, you get a lot more explosive plays when you can throw to a good running back. I think the Bengals are going to throw to Joe Mixon a little bit more. Uh, maybe his total carries or, or total touches aren't expanded upon, but maybe he's a little bit fewer carries. Maybe that means a couple more catches that increases the amount of big plays you can have. Geo never really had that, you know, he never really broke tackles. He didn't have that long speed. I think you get, Mixon out on the backfield or out in the flats against a corner, and that's a much different type of advantage. Uh, Mixon could be a much bigger big play threat for this offense if used correctly, and we've been talking about this for four years. If they could find a way to get him involved in the passing game, it could take – that short game to a new height. They really don't have it until they drafted Jamar Chase. We talked about this. They didn't have anybody they could throw screens to, end arounds. I mean, they're giving it to Alex er- Erickson, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins got a couple. Just did not make sense. The short passing game really wasn't there for them because they didn't have a guy that could run after the catch. I think getting Mixon involved into this a little bit more can be that guy. I mean, I think what Chris Evans has done already is, is a little bit exciting is if he can carve a role, the way Brian Callahan talked about him on your podcast, I believe when you guys ask, uh, who's, who's he excited about? You know, maybe a, 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 an addition to this offense. And he said Chris Evans right away. We've seen in camp, we've seen in preseason how they want to use him as receiver. You get a lot of advantages against defenses if you can do that. And it's going to help the receivers, too, because you're going to get them to declare how they're playing these guys. If you want to put a guy in the slot or out wide, I'm talking about a running back. Uh, So I think there's a lot of short, easy completion, easy stuff that can be turned into big plays in this offense this year that they didn't have last year. And that includes Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon.
1: That's definitely something that I think a lot of Bengals fans have been asking for, looking for them to scheme more free or easy yards. And we'll see if that happens this year with the addition of some of these weapons. And there's also been an emphasis, I should note, in the, on the screen game in the preseason. It's been emphasis on wide zone, getting those looks installed against different fronts, and emphasis on a lot of screen game. Coming up next, we haven't talked defense at all. And this is where the Bengals are spending. You talked about draft resources on the offense. Well, all the money has gone
0: to the defense let's get into that coming up next does this sound familiar you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff well it can be much simpler than that with direct tv stream you can get your tv together in all in one place Brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one spot. No more juggling remotes. No more needing to buy one device to play this or that. You can get it all together. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package.
1: While you're watching your favorite content on Direct TV stream, maybe you want a snack and maybe you want a healthy snack. Maybe you want a healthy and convenient snack. The best way to do that, of course, as you've heard on this podcast in the past, is to grab a Bilt Bar. One of their nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate or salted caramel. There's something for everybody. And they've got those limited time flavors that you know that we love too. All these protein bars have about 17 grams of protein on just 130 calories, which makes them perfect for everybody. They only have four grams of sugar, even though they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code lock 15 You'll get 15% off your next order. So go find a flavor that speaks to you and use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Guys, once you're back in here, let's talk a little defense. And the investment's obviously gone here, James. We've talked a lot about questions all over this unit. We don't really know what we're getting with these linebackers, but they've been talked up as if there's a leap coming. We've never seen this secondary together before. A whole lot of new faces on the defensive line. What's your biggest question, James, as we look at this defense?
0: pressure, defensive end specifically, but uh, pressure, how are they going to get after the quarterback? Look, I know Jesse Bates can run and cover. I think some of these other veteran corners can do that, at at least at a competent level, right? Linebackers, is that a bigger question mark? Maybe it's a bigger question mark. But what's going to impact winning it's going to be getting heat on lamar jackson and making him uncomfortable getting heat on baker mayfield and forcing him to, to throw a couple picks to jesse bates or von bell so to me is, is trey hendrickson going to be this double digit sack guy that they paid him to be uh, can they get enough heat with these other guys including sam hubbard you know cam sample in the mix now bj hill at defensive tackle larry ogan obviously dj reader that's the thing and uh we've obviously seen lou anirumo do some Stunts and twists and stuff that we've talked about. and hopefully that's just the start of the the schematic changes, I think uh, from a let's put pressure on the quarterback, but that's that's my biggest question, Mark. Joe, what
2: about you? You're right on this. I, I, it's definitely the pressure and it's definitely the defensive line. I'm usually when I think of how to build a team and how to build a cohesive roster, I'm a, I will say you add, free agent parts to here and there. You can't draft well at this position or you missed at the position you should draft or you should sign guys to fill in. The defensive line is really, and you mentioned the secondary too, Jake, but the, those two together are completely outsiders at this point besides Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard. And it's really, those are the only two defensive picks that really spent premium picks on. I mean, yeah, we have Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson at linebacker. We'll see how they develop. But in terms of impact players at key positions on defense, You've got an edge rusher. He's going to have to play edge, I think, more this year than Sam Hubbard, and you have a safety, who I think is one of the best in the league, so that's great. Point being is we do not know how this is going to mix and mix together. I mean, we're trusting a Lou Anarumo vision and a team that doesn't spend in free agency's vision of bringing these guys in together and making it work. I mean, there's some, there's some fear there, and, and wondering of how that's going to gel, and are they dynamic enough? And do they have enough guys that can win one-on-one type of situations in that front seven? Uh, the I mean, I mean, I think – DJ Reeder and Trey Henderson are good players, but is the pedigree there? Are they type? Are they Geno Atkins in his prime? Are they Carlos Dunlap? Are they even Carl Lawson in their primes? And I don't think that that they are. And I know we always look at like the previous year. Are they better? Is the pass rush better? It could be better than last year. Yeah, but is that the goal? Or is the goal to build like a 2015 type team? And that team had a lot more youth and guys in their prime that you felt like were cornerstone players that could win one-on-one situations, close games in the crunch time, whether it was Reggie Nelson, Sean Williams, or the pass rushers. Guys won games consistently at the end there. Bengals are – you look at their um, one-score losses over the last three years with Zach Taylor, yeah, you're probably missing those impact players on defense that will do that. Uh, And I'm not sure they still have that. I'm not sure – you know, they're going to have to mix it together. I'm not sure there's a corner on this team that can cover a receiver uh, man-to-man. You know, so – they're going to be in some situations. They're going to have to dial up pressure. They're going to have to dial up blitzes. They're going to have to get creative. That's fun. I w- I want a defense to be creative and disguise some things and bring pressure in different ways, but I want it to be from a coordinator I trust, right? You want it to be from somebody that has shown a little bit more than Luana Rumo. And maybe Anna Rumo surprises us all this year. Maybe. Maybe he needed his guys. Maybe he didn't want the guys that were here from Marvin Lewis and they wouldn't buy into his system. Fine, but now's the time to show it.
1: I think Marion Javi. Should be a point of discussion here as well. When you talk to the defensive linemen in Cincinnati, they talk about Marion Javi the way the offensive linemen talk about Frank Pollock. And people like to bring this up as an under discussed point. brought been brought up enough that I think everyone's heard it by now. But one of the things that we, I think, have seen more of in this preseason than I feel like we saw on a rate basis last regular season is we've seen a lot more stunts and twists. They're also showing that double mug A-gap, the the sugar, the A-gap look that we used to see with Mike Zimmer in the preseason. I think they dropped out of it every single time, but the addition of of, uh, Mike Hilton in the slot also suggests that they're going to use his blitzing ability there. But this is exactly what we talked about, James, when we did our big questions episode on Friday was, you know, do they have the pass rush to finish games? And and just like you talked about, Joe, you, and I mentioned this too, it used to be, you know, Reggie Nelson or Sean Williams might get a, a clutch interception, but you would have a lot of sacks and a lot of batted balls. You think back to how they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers uh, several years ago, eight years ago, maybe now, I don't know how long ago that was, but it was, it was, they were getting big plays from their defensive line as well. And I don't know if they have those, those game finishers. Currently there, we'll see, right? Maybe Trey Hendrickson does progress and this coaching staff has a lot of faith in him. I will say this, I'm I'm actually pretty confident in the interior of the defensive line. Generally speaking, I think the depth there is miles better than it was last year when they were playing a bunch of guys off the street. You have DJ Reader, who has had an absolutely fantastic preseason as a pass rusher and in run defense in both aspects. He's been dominant. Everybody knows how I feel about Josh Chupo. Larry Ogunjobi, you know, should be a a fine three-tech, although he is known for running hot and cold. BJ Hill, I think, is is highly quality depth. He might end up being the most consistent three-tech on the team, depending on what they ask him to do and and how much they need from him. And so I'm actually quite confident in the interior of the defensive line. And if DJ Reader continues to push the pocket the way he has in the preseason, which I know is asking a lot, then these edge rushers will have their jobs made easier for them.
2: I think they're going to have to ask DJ Reader to do that and maybe well, play a little bit more.
1: But he's not going to play third down still. I guess that's probably something that we should we should point out. Right. He's still not out there on third downs, and, and they probably will continue to take him off the field on third downs.
2: And that's I wonder how they're going to mix that and how they're going to fix it because does that mean Sam Hubbard still kicks inside and Darius Hodge is the guy? as the edge rusher. Are they going to lean on him right away? They may have to. I mean, that's why – I think the Joseph Asai injury was big because I think he was that starter right there. He's going to add another athlete with a high motor, and that's kind of the guys they want. So, like, you're taking that out. I usually say you need three good pass rushers. Daniel Jeremiah, I mentioned that in the in the previous thing about what he believes you need on championship caliber offense or, or team on the offense. He says you need three pass rushers, good pass rushers. I agree. Who's the – Second, I mean on this team. It's Trey Hendrickson, number one. Are we saying Hubbard's number two? I'd feel comfortable if he was number four as the fourth best rusher, maybe number three. If he's number two, who's three? Is it Ogan Joby, BJ Hill? Is it Hodge? It gets really scary and really to the point where it's like, man, we're hoping Trey Hendrickson has 15 sacks this year for them to get over 20. I mean, I think there it's it's reasonable to, to expect that 25 sacks, and that's not good enough. And I, I have more concern with the pass rush than I do with pass protection.
0: I think that's fair. I And I think the Bengals deep down probably do too. Like they traded for BJ Hill and I think it was a good trade. In a perfect world, they probably end, land a def, defensive end. Like they didn't want Darius Hodge to make this team, right? And I don't think he would have. in nothing against him. But if, if Osai is healthy, is Hodge making it? And now suddenly you're banking on him to potentially generate pressure. And like that's – that's tough. And I was thinking, I looked out like uh, on the free agent wire just to see the only guy that like stood out to me. And I, I I didn't spend a ton of time on this, but like Olivier Vernon's got tied to Luana Arumo from his days with the giants. He's coming off of a torn Achilles. So that's scary. Um, but like at the end of September would be the nine month mark. So if they don't generate some juice early, maybe you go that route, but like, I agree with you. I mean, the good news is since we did start optimistic, uh, you, you, this podcast with you know optimistic takes. I think Trey Hendrickson looked really good in camp. He was disruptive. He gave Jonah Williams all he could handle uh, at times during practice. So maybe he does end up becoming that guy, and I, I certainly think he is the, the number one on this team, for better or worse.
2: You know the underrated aspect is the offense creates the game script. And it, it helps your defense. It helps your defense have a pass rush. When you're scoring, if, if you're scoring 30 points, 28 points a game, you're putting the defense in situations where they can tee off and pass rush, and that makes them so much better. The, if we're comparing this pass rush unit to what we saw the last two years, yeah, I can see why it was very hard to win one-on-one battles and very hard to scheme things and get apply pressure schematically and, and get guys in advantageous situation because they were behind game script in so many of these games. Uh, so if the offense is that much better, Hubbard can win a little bit more. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. B.J. Hill can get back to when he had six sacks as a rookie. Things like that. You know, you can manufacture pass rush if you're ahead of the game.
1: And it looks like they're trying to. That that was my takeaway from the preseason. Is I think the the skeleton for a more creative application of pressure packages is there between the linebackers and the defensive line and Mike Hilton. I think we will see more creative uses of those guys. And we'll we'll see if they call them at the right times and we'll see if they hold up on the back end of those plays. And you mentioned that you don't think they have the corners to play man. And I think they're going to play a lot of man. And it seems to be like that's what they want to do. They want to play press man. And so we'll, we'll have to see how all that holds up. I think the the moral of the story for me is there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. And the way those questions are answered will determine the outcome of the season. But Joe, while we have you, let's get your prediction on the record here because you've been quoted elsewhere of saying that you think this could be a 10-win team. What is your likely outcome? So let's take everything into account. All the questions we've talked about, the the obvious randomness of injuries, where do you think this team lands in win-loss total in 2021?
2: And I just want to be clear, that quote was I don't think five, six, seven wins should be the discussion. I think if you're playing in that sandbox, a lot has to go wrong again. I mean, this team should have won probably seven, eight games last year. Had Burrow continued, and they scored 23 points per game, they beat Washington, they beat potentially Miami, they beat potentially the Cowboys and the Giants. Now I'm not saying that you run the table there. You may not. Maybe you go two and two. Maybe you go three and one in that scenario. But there's reason to believe they were hitting their stride last year at, at that time, and the. the those are games where they lost 19-7. I mean, they could have won those games scoring 23 points per game. So, you know, in my opinion, if we're comparing this to a 4-win team, yes, it's hard to see getting 9, 10, 11. But if you look and say, that is probably a 7, 8, and 1 team, and that's handing them that tie to the Eagles and the loss to the Chargers to start the year, that blown game against the Colts, and we're not even counting those as wins. They could have been in a lot more. And now that that's always the case with teams that lose. Bad teams find a way to lose games. Good teams find a way to win. We're hoping that it flips, to, the, the cards flip this time, and they're figuring out how to win. I think we should be looking at nine wins, 10 wins, potentially 11. It's a 17-game season, and people are, will say the schedule's tough. If you're using that metric – That same schedule applies to the Browns, to the Steelers, to the Ravens. They're all in that same category of having tough schedules, especially the second half of the year. Bengals actually have, uh, uh, if you look at Walter Sharp's projection, one of the easier first half schedules of the year. And I think that's where it jumps into their favor of get out on a quick lead uh, on the season, on the rest of the division. And what are the elite quarterbacks they play? Yes, Rodgers, Mahomes. They'll play Jackson twice. Justin Herbert, maybe, if he's still as good as he was last year. Other than that, are you – and I, this isn't disrespect to Kirk Cousins. This isn't disrespect to Derek Carr. But are you worried about them? Are you scared of Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr? Are you even scared of Baker Mayfield? The Bengals put 64 points on the Browns in, in the two matchups they had against them. I want to roll that dice again and see how it plays out this year with a healthier and potentially better quarterback and better team. So I think, looking at it, if they go 10-7, and I am not shocked in the least bit. And I think Joe Burrow wins comeback player of the year.
1: Well, you know what? I'm just not going to tread on the optimism at all. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're just going to leave it there. 10 and seven mm-hmm. says <laughs> Joe Goodberry. Joe, thanks for joining us and taking some time to discuss the 2021 season. I'm sure we'll see you again at some point. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The regular season is officially upon us in just three short days we'll have our first official regular season practice until next time. Bengals fans who day and have a good one. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music, download the Amazon music app today.